everyone. This is Kaylee Hall, and welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. That was perfect. Perfect cool. intro. And now Tim can't make fun of me. Thank you for doing that. Anything <laughs> <laughs> to help. So this, this is, is like gonna... disarming me. Okay. Well, good, good. It's, it's a help. So um, this is going to be a different kind of podcast for those of you that are listening, as evidenced by the intro. Um, normally we do them, we talk mostly about leading Agile stuff or different specific practices about how to go through making Agile work in your organizations. But today we have somebody who is a veteran of one of the classes and a seasoned veteran of how many months? Um, probably about 16. 16 months on the job. And we're going to talk about what kind of things you learned along the way and what advice you have for those who are just getting started, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. Um, so can you tell the folks that are listening a little bit about your background and the kind of work that you do? Yeah. So um, like I said, my name is Kaylee Hall. I'm currently a project strategist with a company out of Atlanta called Big Nerd Ranch. Some of y'all might have heard of it. Um, it's a consulting company. So um, as a project strategist, my job is you know, really kind of filling the gaps in terms of what the client has or doesn't have to bring the project to fruition. And what I mean by that is if the client wants to build something, an app, for example, and they don't have a PO, then I serve as a PO on that project. Sometimes I can be a project manager. I'm always a scrum master, sometimes a therapist, you know, um, really just filling those, those gaps to make sure the projects are successful, okay. um, which is why I took this CSPO class. And it, it really um, helped me along my way in learning those things. Cool. And what kind, so what about Big Nerd Ranch? Like what, how would you describe what the agency does? Is it a digital agency? Is it some other name that you would use for it? Yeah, so um, we call it internally, we call it digital product development. Okay. Um, so we have a web department, we have an iOS department, we have Android, we have our own design department. And, you know, we can do design discoveries, we can scope things out for clients, we can estimate um, development time, things like that. So I've been on a number of web projects and iOS projects. I actually haven't been on an Android project. I'm trying to get my foot in there. But so we're kind of a smaller, uh, I guess you'd call it like a boutique development shop. Okay. And so you mentioned that you have to wear a lot of different hats. So you're working with a bunch of different teams or you're specific to one team and just handling a bunch of different types of work. So my position, my department, the project strategists work on multiple projects. The developers themselves are usually dedicated to just one project from start to finish. And I think that's what separates us from a lot of um, consulting agencies. But so me in particular, yeah. So if uh, I'm working with a, with a pretty big client right now who they have their own product owner and he does a lot of the prioritizing and I just do the ticket writing and act as the scrum master in that particular case. In some cases, the project is fully run on the client side and I'm really just communicating PTO budget spend and um, any high level escalations that need to happen. Okay. So there's, that's a, these are very different roles. I mean, going from being PO to scrum master to project manager, you're going to have to have a little bit of experience in each one and be able to from one project to the next. I'm assuming you're not playing multiple roles on one project. Um, the roles aren't really clearly defined at the beginning of projects with us. Okay. Um, in terms of, you know, I'm going to spend this percentage on product ownership. I'm going to spend this percentage on product management. It's kind of just you feel out the project and the client and you figure out what works best for the team. And then that just carries you through the project. So it's not always set in stone. And sometimes it can change. For example, the, the project I was just talking about, I went from doing a lot of the prioritization and then they had a shift in their team. So then someone from their team took over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So... Is it safe to say that when you get assigned to a gig, 
you kind of walk in and have to carve out your place and find where there's the gaps that you can fill and figure out what role makes the most sense for you to play. Yeah. So by the time we get assigned, hopefully by the time the contract signs, we've figured this out already. Right. Um, but it's mostly, so after you figure out the base kind of what I'll be doing, it's just getting comfortable with the client and, and knowing where they might have some gaps to fill that they may not realize. Right. So understanding how their team works and, and kind of identifying more opportunities for myself to come in and say, Hey, I can help you do this, or I can help you fix this process. Okay. So there's a bunch of stuff that you just said that I want to ask you about, but let's, let's assume that somebody's listening to this is kind of brand new, just getting into the field. Um, they're trying to figure out what the parameters of their job are. They're also trying to navigate some of the social stuff. You just mentioned that part of your gig is to get comfortable with the client. So what, what does that mean and how do you go about doing that? So this is actually one of the things I thought a lot about coming into this podcast, because this is one of the things that was hardest for me personally. One of my biggest challenges was, you know, coming from, I actually came from a, um, like a science and then manufacturing background into technology. So when I first came to this company, everyone around me, before I was put on a project, were talking about the clients as these kind of like nebulous entities and they weren't really people for me. Right. So going into meetings, I was pretty stiff because you're finally talking to this person that has been swirling around you for, you know, weeks and months. And then, um, there they are. Right. So it took a long time to really get comfortable. First of all, having any kind of client interaction at all. Okay. And then, um, so after that, it's getting, you know, getting a feel for how the client likes to run their own processes. Okay. And then getting to a point where you feel like you can make suggestions. And that's also understanding, that's emotional IQ, right? Understanding yeah. what makes people tick and then understanding how someone might react to the way you might present something. And that's something that just comes with time and interaction, in my opinion. Is there anything that you kind of lean on as like um, tools or books or reference materials? or I mean, anything in your background that helps you kind of navigate that? There are, I have read a lot on emotional IQ, understanding. Okay. And then also after the scrum gathering, um, I went to a breakout session that was talking about how, like how different people need different levels of information to make decisions. Yeah. So I've looked a lot into that um, and just understanding different types of people and the information that they need to make a decision. And a lot of times when you go into a meeting or personally, when I go into a meeting with a client, I want to make sure I have all the information I need to be able to give them everything they need. So it's really them making a decision. Yeah. And it's me just presenting them with all this information, maybe guiding it a certain way and, and making sure they truly understand the impact of every decision that needs to be made in whatever meeting you're in. Right. Okay. So I have a question for you sort of along these lines of bets. It, since you mentioned it, it's kind of been stuck in my head. When I was, uh, when I first started working, I would get sent on projects and usually like there's the sales guy and then the senior person at the company and I have to go to all the meetings, but I'm basically just supposed to sit there and listen. So I sit in the back of the room, I listen to everybody. They see me there. They see me not talking for like a week or so. And then all of a sudden all the senior people go away and I'm supposed to like take the, take over. But the people on the, on the client side have just seen me sit there and not talk for a couple of days they don't know me. I mean, you said getting to have the FaceTime with them was a thing. Getting to see them as people is a thing. 
I'm also trying to get them to see me as somebody who has a brain and authority. And even though I've sat here like a drone for a week, I actually have a lot of valuable things to say. Um, how do you kind of climb that mountain with them? So I think in this, whether you're just starting out, like you just said, or you're just, you're experienced in technology and just new to a company or it's a new client. I think the most important thing that I've learned um, in the past couple months is be able to run a successful meeting and then okay. everything just kind of falls into place. And what I, and kind of what I mean by that is, you know, I'm actually in a situation right now where I just jumped into this project um, with a client and gosh, I don't know anybody. There are so many moving parts and I'm just throwing all these action items. And what I'm really focusing on is running successful meetings. And first you want to understand the meeting type. Is it a scrum ceremony? Is it a one-off from another meeting? Can this be an email? Right. Um, and the most important thing there is being able to clearly communicate the meeting's purpose because if you run the meetings, which, and it sounds like in my case and in your case, we usually are. Yeah. If you're running the meeting and you can't communicate the purpose of the meeting, then that's kind of like a notch down in your authority, right? Yeah. And, especially um, especially if it was set up by somebody else and you were told go run the X meeting and you don't even know why you're running it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there are so many things that run a successful meeting, quote unquote, encompasses, right? You have to understand the meeting. You have to understand what the outcome of the meeting needs to be, or else you can't guide the conversations. Okay. Um, understanding who is involved and what they can contribute. You want to make sure if you're asking a question, the person that can answer that question is there or the person that even if you're not the one driving the conversation and you don't really even know what the meeting's about, you need to make sure you ask enough questions to know, well, this person has that back knowledge, right? Okay. So um, also something that I really try and focus on, especially when I'm thrown into a situation where it's a little, um, I guess I can be a little frazzled is you want to be able to listen for action items or things that need further conversation, you need to be able to identify those things. And um, really the biggest thing for me, and I just have no problem using a parking lot and telling someone that's great, but that's not in scope of this meeting. We can talk about it later. That's just something that done well can also command authority with the client and let the client know, you know what you're doing. You have a purpose for this meeting and you're going to run things well. So did you, was that something that comes naturally to you? Because that is something I know tons of people struggle with. Like they feel like they're supposed to just do whatever the client says, especially in an agency model. Um, and if you're saying that's out of scope, then I think it absolutely establishes authority. But having the, I don't know, the chutzpah to like to say that to a client, that, that's tough for a lot of people when they're early on in their career. Totally. And it, and it can come off as, it can come off as harsh if done the wrong way. Um, I personally come from a big Italian family, so I have no problem <laughs> saying, Hey, that doesn't matter. Okay. Right? Um, but so for me, I think it comes naturally. It's definitely something, you know, as you have more meetings with a client and as you meet with more people, you're going to be able to understand when it's appropriate to slip that in. Like, Hey, we definitely need to get to that. I'm going to put that as an action item at the bottom of this list to schedule a meeting for. Okay. And I think with that, people, when you get into meetings with clients, they want to be heard, right? So if you're telling them, hey, I love that idea, we're going to talk about it, but just not right now, as long as you say, that's great, let's do it, but some other time, it usually isn't an issue. Yeah. Well, so for somebody, I mean, you did, you've got 16 months in this gig, but what you just said is something, is a a level of awareness that the client just wants to be heard that, that most people don't get for quite a while. I mean, where, how did you come to that? 
I think it was honestly a retrospective. I sat okay. it on um, one of my co- one of my coworkers. Um, the client would come in and cause this not a hubbub, but you know, just want to schedule meetings and just he just talked and and we we worked through it and eventually we realized that he just wanted to feel like his opinions were being heard. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to make sure his opinion was still being brought out in the, in the product. So it's really, that's, that's one of those emotional IQ things, right? Understanding that they're not trying to cause a problem. They just want to feel heard. And I think that, you know, that can be said for any walks of any walk of life. Yeah. But it is a, it's a wise thing to be aware of that. A lot of people, unfortunately it takes some people many years before that actually kicks in. Some people I think never get there. They're so busy running the meeting. Like it's my meeting. Stop talking. Don't ask me questions. I've got to get through my meeting. That, that this is like the fact that there's other people in the room is just an irritant a lot of the time. Yeah, I think I was fortunate enough to have pretty much just sat on on this retro and had everyone else figure it out, and I just happened to okay. be there. So yeah. okay. Well, what about with meetings in general? You said that that's something you really try to focus on. Um, where where have you learned, or what have you used to learn how to run an effective meeting? A lot of it was, you know, the scrum framework. It's very clear what the outcome of each meeting needs to be. Okay. And, um, you know, for most of my projects, I'll start out like strict scrum framework, right? Like these are the meetings, this is what we're doing in them. This is the cadence. This is going to happen every week. And I think um, coming from a scientific background, I think that really resonated with me because I love process. Cool. Um what do you, what was the biggest challenge for you when you started doing this kind of work? The biggest challenge for me, I talked a little bit about it before, um, understanding that clients are just people and yeah. you need to connect with people and they're not, that's not unattainable, those relationships. Another thing I struggled with, honestly, is just learning the technology. I did not come from a very technologically forward family really, you know, we had computers and I got a, like a Nextel when I was little, but, um, it's not something that was really at the forefront of my life. So coming into this, I actually worked right out of college on physical products. I worked as a process engineer on a manufacturing line, um, for automotive parts, which is interesting because we use Kanban there, right? Kaizen in the automotive industry. So, um, coming into technology, I was really terrifying having to be in these meetings and having to run these things when I don't understand anything that the the developers are talking about. They're throwing out words and systems and other things that I can't, I still to this day have trouble understanding. So the biggest thing was under, was for me was trying to understand as long as you can facilitate and you know who needs to be where, and you know, basic information on how to run a project, everything else falls into place. And then eventually you start learning the words and the vernacular and um, the systems and things like that. So I would think my second biggest challenge was the actual learning the this, this space part. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I, I'm sort of questioning in the back of my head how deep your knowledge has to be. I mean, because I, I my, my knowledge of programming is, I would say, fairly basic, but... Um, I know what the different systems are that people use. I don't know how they work necessarily. Right. Um, right. And that, and I, I feel like as long as I've been working with people that I can trust, then it's generally okay. It's when I can't trust them or I don't know them well enough to know if I can trust them. And they're talking about stuff that's way over my head. That's when I get nervous. Mm-hmm. 
And not, not trusting someone fosters an environment of feeling like you can't ask questions, right? So I think it's also when you're feeling that way, it's okay to ask clarifying questions to really anyone. And, yeah. you know, if you're working in a place that that's frowned upon, you should probably get out of there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there's one thing that you know about that they may not have known about, right? And that's Kanban. So um, how deeply schooled was your team in, in different agile practices when you got there? Um, you mean coming to Big Nerd Ranch? Yeah, yeah. Big Nerd Ranch has always been, um, you know, we consider ourselves an agile-ish shop. So okay. I learned everything I know about agile pretty much here. It wasn't, when I said I worked with Kaizen, Kaizen before, it was very loose and kind of just a oh, process okay. timing thing. So honestly, when I came into Big Nerd Ranch and started learning all these methodologies is when all the stuff that I was doing that wasn't explained to me back on the manufacturing line kind of started to make sense. Okay. Okay. So the company took the time to make sure you got to learn all this stuff. They didn't just like drop you in. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I had plenty, I had a, a month or two of just researching, understanding the process, shadowing meetings, um, setting up my, mo- my own mock cadences, things like that. Okay. I'm wondering like from somebody who's kind of getting started with all this stuff, did you have any kind of mentors or anybody that was there kind of shepherding your way through this to help you figure out what stuff might become an issue and which stuff wasn't? Really everyone at this company, my manager in particular is extremely supportive, always around for questions. I feel like I might annoy him still with my questions today, <laughs> but, um, and my, my colleagues, what's interesting about my department is that every single one of us comes from such a different background okay. that everyone brings a new perspective. So it was really, it was really good for me to go around and ask different people the same question. Yeah. And everyone here up to the CEO, you know, everyone at this company is so supportive. I can go to anyone and really okay. ask whatever I want. So, so and that is really unfortunate in that. Having a nurturing environment when you're getting started with this stuff is a really big deal. It's everything. And I yeah. think that's one of the reasons I'm I got so comfortable so quickly. Now, on this project I mentioned earlier that I just started on, it's with a company that I think might not have such a um, successful onboarding program. And I'm getting the feeling like I'm like thrown into meetings and expected to know what's going on without having been explained all of these things. And I do have someone on that side that is there to answer all of my questions. Right. Um, but I can definitely see how when everything is going at the pace that this company seems to go, someone new would, you know, be kind of a big detriment there. Yeah, I mean, if, and if you don't have anybody you can ask questions questions of, how will you learn the domain and everything else you need to know about it? Exactly, yeah. Okay. If you could go back like 16 months and give yourself one piece of advice so that you wouldn't either screw something up that you screwed up or just that you'd survive it better the last, last 16 months, what, what would the advice be? Probably to stress out less. My advice to myself would be to stress out less. <laughs> How would you because, do that? Well, that's, that's why future me is coming to tell me that because okay. who knows, but, um, the things that I was really stressed out about in the beginning of my job was trying to get in front of problems. Right. And I actually have a blog post that I wrote, which I'll share at the end of this podcast, if anyone's interested about how I spent so much time and energy trying to get in front of problems so nothing on the project ever went wrong, right? And that's just not realistic. 
things are going to go wrong. Scope's going to change. Clients are going to change their mind. That's just the nature of software. And that's the nature of agile to be able to deal with those changes. Right. So I think just spending less time worrying about what this one little thing the client said and reading in between lines and like forecasting that out into this huge problem two months from now, worrying less about that and more about talking to the client, understanding the client, and then setting up a successful project with the information you have. So how do you define success now? I'm, I'm really curious about this, given what you just said. So now, um, I actually just have my year review. And okay. um, what we talked about was now I'm able to, you know, you learn to ask the right questions as things maybe go wrong in a project, you learn to ask that question in the next project before it happens. Right. 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 So I define success now, not so much as getting in front of things, but being able to handle pivots and changes. Okay. Um, more effectively and also client satisfaction, right? Because at the end of the day, we're here to build for the client. Yeah. So one of the things I also struggled with early on was pivoting. Because, you know, remember I said, I love process. I love yeah. writing things down. I don't like when people get away from my bullet points. Yeah. And that was hard for me when the first client came and said, actually, the scope that's in the contract, we're going to scrap that and we want to do this other thing. And I pushed back really hard and that kind of soured that relationship because I couldn't understand just not doing what was written on paper. So I can consider during the course of a project to be successful, handling those things with the client, having the conversations, um, making sure they understand what the, the trade-offs are okay. and still having client satisfaction and the, the product be exactly what they want while keeping the internal team healthy and happy, right? So what they want at the end, which might not be the same as what they wanted when they walked in the door, right? Right. And that's with, you know, take that with a grain of salt because we are consultants. We do want to, you know, guide clients in making the best decisions that we feel, right? But if they don't understand the problem when they come in, the, I mean, if they don't truly understand the problem when they come in the door, you, it's going to be hard for you to figure out the best solution. Mm -hmm. And client education is a huge part of, of my job. Okay, cool. What have I not asked you about that you'd like to share with other folks who are going through this, this part of their career right now? Oh my gosh, Dave, we'll need so many more podcasts. <laughs> That's not there's a problem. Just, <laughs> there's, there's so many things. And, and really, I was thinking about that, you know, coming into this, like, what are the things everyone needs to know? And there's just too much for one conversation. I think the most important thing is, like I said, um, being able to run a process and being able to identify people that need to you need to facilitate conversations. I think that will, your pieces will start falling into place, especially if you're in a, a project or a company where maybe not every, not anyone has enough time to sit down and explain things to you. I think, and really just getting comfortable as with any job, you just need to get comfortable talking to people and interacting with people. And in technology, that's hard, right? Because a lot of what we use is Slack and email and video chats. So I think just, Focusing on the client interaction. Well, I have one specific question I want to ask you about, but it, it's okay. not exactly tied to your job. So when we ran into each other in Austin at the Scrum Gathering, one of the things I was thinking about, and we've talked about this since, but just for the other folks, that's your first Agile conference that you've been to, right? Yes. 
Okay. So what advice would you give to somebody? Because what's coming up in a few weeks is the Agile Conference is taking place in Washington, D.C. And um, there will be people listening to this who will be their first time at that. And it's, it's bigger and longer than the Scrum Gathering. But what advice would you offer to somebody who is attending an event like that for the first time? Like, what did you learn from the Scrum Gathering that you wish you had known beforehand? Hmm. About, think, I'm, I'm asking more about attending than about the yeah. specific lectures. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to understand that it's okay to take a session or two off if given the opportunity. Like if you need a breather, there's a lot of information that's going to be coming at someone, anyone, a veteran or otherwise to at an agile conference. Right. Yeah. yeah. So taking notes, and then being able to sit for an hour and digest those notes after a long talk. I think that's okay. really important. Um, you don't have to be everywhere at the same time. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. You're going to want to go to multiple different breakout sessions in the same hour. Um, I believe the Agile Conference posts the notes from almost every breakout session, right? So those things will be available to you to go through. So like, take time to really digest and understand the things you're listening, you're hearing. Cool. What is the one biggest thing that you've learned over the last 16 months about how to succeed in your gig? How to succeed at my job. I think the biggest thing I've learned is really, I know I just keep coming back to this, but people are just people and they want to have conversations and you just have to learn how to interact with different types of people. That's probably the biggest thing. That's something I still struggle with, right? I want to get to... Um, when I have meetings or send emails, I want to get right down to exactly what the purpose of it is when it's okay to start with, Hey, how's it going? Or like, Hey, how was your PTO? You know, you want to make those connections. Cause I don't sometimes, and I get called out in my office, um, about emails sounding mean quote unquote. Because well, wait, but you're not from Georgia, right? No, my family's from New York. Okay, there we go. Because, you know, you're saying this and I'm thinking, well, yeah, but like if you're going to be like, how are you? I'm like, I, I got stuff to do. I don't have yeah. time for your silly questions. But <laughs> I think uh, depending on where you are, that can be a really important, taking that time is really important. Yeah, and that's also something you have to understand because, you know, Dave, if I were to send you an email, I'd just be like, hey, let's get this done, right? And then someone... I offense. I'd be like, good, let's get to work. Yeah. See, so it's just understanding people. Yeah. And that does take a lot of practice and a fair amount of time. Um, this, was, this was really great. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you? So uh, probably just my personal email. Um, I will do my best if there are any questions, comments, anything anyone wants to chat about, anything you wanted to hear on a podcast that maybe we didn't get to. I'd be super open to, to that. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. And so can I include a link to your blog post as well? Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. This was great. Thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. I hope, uh, I hope you found this helpful. I hope everyone that listens to this finds this helpful. Thanks, Dave.